Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is May, it which is. is Mental Health Awareness Month, I believe. Yes, it is. And it is also Monday, so that means it is Mental Health Monday. We'll check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is time for Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Good morning, Heidi. Morning. Good to be with you guys. Happy Mental Health Monday and good to be back together for Mental Health Mondays after a little hiatus there. We are, we've wrapped up Finding Hope. Mm-hmm. We're still using Finding Hope, but I mean, we've wrapped up our conversation. <laughs> we wrapped up with hope it. or finding it in our lives. <laughs> right. But we did. No more hope. That conversation. Yeah, yeah. It was a good conversation. It was. It was very helpful. Mm-hmm. So now we're being creative, moving on to a new subject in mental health. And we're going to take a look at social media and mental health. Yes. Yeah. And and we should give a disclaimer that as we talk about social media, we're not endorsing any particular platform. Um, we're not telling you that this is how you should use social media or that you should use social media. Right. That's a different conversation. That is a whole different conversation. We're talking about, uh, well, today we're going to dig into boundaries in social media. And then uh, next week, we'll take a look at the benefits of social media. Mm-hmm. So- what let's just talk about social media has been around. I don't know, Sarah, you might know this better than any of us. How long has social media been around that we've been using things like, well, Facebook's been around at least a decade. Oh, longer than that. More than that. That started before I was in college. I believe MySpace was before that. I was like, don't forget MySpace. (laughs) Yeah. MySpace. I was, yeah. And then chat rooms, you know, I mean, that was when I was in high school. I mean, since the internet, has been around. I'm sure there's been some sort of that's true there ability, were, but it's really become more of a yeah. thing. There were bulletin boards and yeah, chat rooms. And yeah, but like it that. wasn't IRC. The, the big powerhouse that it is now right. that it's become in the last uh, ten years. Yeah. Really, since the advent of show Facebook, how I old I am here. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know what you're talking about. IRC and and there's a no chat idea. service, and then there was AIM AOL. Oh, I know Messenger. that. Yeah. You know, I think that I was going to say, like, as you said, all of that stuff, what came to mind for me was human beings create capability of finding ways to connect. Like, you know, given anything, we will still find a way to use it for connection, I think. And maybe we'll save that for benefits next week. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's a good way to start the conversation out of the gate is that, like, really everything we're talking about, as you were saying, all those things from its very, like, little tiny inception, right, back in the day to the conglomerates we have today is that it it's a way to connect. Mm-hmm. Mm. So what have we learned about the impact of social media on mental health now that it's been around for more than a decade, almost mm-hmm. two, that we've re- that it's really become a part of daily life, life for many people? Yeah, like yeah. What have we learned about its impact? I think more than anything, we learned that it's complicated. Mm-hmm. It's generally a good place to be is when we're willing to admit that it's complicated, that it's nuanced, and there's a lot of facets to it instead of just like, is technology good or bad? Because <laughs> like, I feel like, <laughs> I mean, early 2000s, I felt like that was the conversation we were having. And it, mm-hmm. it's not a conversation that's that helpful. Um, 
you know, I think there are a lot of studies when you go back that far to like how much screen time we should be getting to to where we are now, where our phones will track our screen time and things like that, because we do know that just the basic idea of screen time does impact our mental health and well-being, our eyesight and, and our other pieces of our health. And so that was kind of how the research started to the research that we're at now that I think, I mean, when you say impact of social media and mental health, we're talking about thousands of components of, you know, how does it impact our emotional health and how does it help us regulate or does it deregulate us? Or over here, how does it, what kinds of technologies are available for treating, you know, schizophrenia or a specific diagnosis? Like, there's just so many research studies <laughs> that are greatly nuanced when you're talking about this big idea that is social media and mental health. I think a couple of the things that we have learned that are worth noting is that the actual idea of social media itself is neither good nor bad. It's in how we use it. In the same way that talking is neither good nor bad as a thing, right? Mm -hmm. But it's in how we use our words and the way we communicate with people and the topics that we communicate with. So I think that's a good place to be that we're at in the research now then. And a lot of the research is, it's again, like we're, like we're trying not to prescribe what to do with social media. That's how research is. It's really just describing what is happening um, as a result of people's social media use and ways people are interacting instead of necessarily telling them how to interact, which is good research. You know, you have a hypothesis. You don't try to prove your hypothesis. Instead, you just try to reveal what is really happening around you. The other thing that I think is worth noting is that we still don't have like an age of social media use that's helpful. We don't have some of those specifics that I think people are most curious about. I think that's a huge question I hear all the time is like, you know, what age should a kid get social media or get a phone or whatever? I mean, there's there's questions before the question, right? And also then it, as far as like churches and, and organizations go, you know, we want these right ways in order to interact with social media. And I think what we know is that we don't know. We, we just don't. It hasn't been around long enough for the research to be, I think, full enough for there to be some real hard and fast ideas about it. We do know that because it has to do with human beings and it has to do with connection, it has to do with words and all those things we mentioned, is it does impact our mental health. That when people communicate online, we have very similar internal responses to what we would have when we're communicating with someone in a conversation with the absence of nuances like body language and nonverbals and the benefits like that. And so we know that social media does impact our emotions. It does impact the way we think about things. I think it's really telling, and I'll stop talking in a second so you can say something else, but I think it's really telling that it's social media. And I think we're going to talk about that in just a minute, that concept of media and consuming things. And there's some helpful research coming down the pipe about just that consumption of it and how people are consuming it, what's good, what's not good. But the consuming of it, it is a media that there's finances attached to it. There's people making money. There's data, you know, selling and things like that going on too. So it's just complicated. Yeah. There's so many different facets to this because of, I mean, for one thing, all of the different platforms. So there's 
all types of different ways to interact with social media, depending on your platform and your level of usage and how you use it, which I think we'll, we'll get into later. But then also like you're talking about with the, the algorithms and how, how these companies create the experience that you're, that you're consuming on the media. It's, it's, yeah, you're right. It's, it's a very complex thing to, to think about. And, and when considering your own social media use, whether or not you're, you choose to use it and how much you use it, it can, uh, there's a lot to think through and, and to think about. Um, we know that things in, in moderation can be good. And, and you mentioned already that social media in itself is, is neither good or bad. It's, it's the usage. How can it, how can it be a, a dangerous thing for us? think a lot of it has to do with that word consume, like we were just talking about a little bit. We are consumers of things. And so we we are taking it in. And there tends to be this, the more of something we take in, I think the less aware we are as human beings of it. You know, like if I have the TV on as background noise, like I'm not necessarily considering what it's saying, but it is still going in my brain to some degree. Same thing with like, I mean, even like certain kind of nature therapies, like the goal is to just be in nature because you're you're taking in, you're consuming that thing that is good for you, which is like nature sounds and the sunshine on your face and breezes and things like that, that you aren't necessarily noticing, but that we miss out on when we're like indoors and things like that. And so being aware that there is a, a both conscious and subconscious consumption of media. And that's the world we live in. No matter if I'm opening my phone and scrolling or if I'm, you know, like just interacting with people who are talking about it, it is part of our daily lives, like Andy said. And so I think it can be dangerous when we have too much consumption of any one thing. And that can be a specific platform. It can be the idea of social media as a whole. It can be media as a whole, right? Like our relationships can't be held within just like, I don't know, news sources and what people are saying online. I think we've all experienced, as hopefully the listener listening to this has also experienced, I'm pretty sure, like family struggles and friendship struggles over um, so much media consumption that we're just really not even having the conversation. <laughs> like we've just become the consumer to some degree. And so I think that's where it gets most dangerous is when our awareness declines of what we're taking in. Hmm. Huh. Well, I heard the internet is like a just a passing fad, so it's not really something <laughs> yeah. to be concerned about. Very passing. Do you remember that? The information superhighway is just a fad. When was that? Not your lifetime, Sarah. <laughs> exactly. Was, I, I, I do remember. Well, maybe I don't. I remember a day before I had a computer, a small child, but I don't so. know about the internet. <laughs> you're a small child. <laughs> it's just I, a passing fad. Well, <laughs> I ahead, was going to say, like, the other thing I think that gets dangerous is anytime shame and blame are involved. Like when we mm. when we capsulize like sin and struggle and all of that goes into brokenness, right, that we just talked about for a year, we, we know that when we see these two things present, that's the human response to sin in the garden if you will, right? Mm -hmm. Like shame and blame. And so it can go back to listen to our Finding Broken uh, episode, or Finding Brokenness. <laughs> finding Hope episodes. Wow. <laughs> if they want to know more about that. But when we see shame and blame present, whether it's within the way that we're conversing on the media or if it's about the media, then 
that is an unhealthy and dangerous version, right? And so this is why it's really destructive when we blame social media for the problems that we see in rising mental health statistics and struggles. It's too simple of an answer, right? We're pushing our family stuff and our individual stuff and our cultural stuff onto this one thing that is social media. Does it have an impact? Absolutely. Is that everything? No. Does it have the impact that our family can have on us? No. And that has to actually do with the way that our brain records information that we take in. And so I think the shame and blame factors, when those rise up, then we need to be really wary and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. wait, just where's the brokenness? And how do we actually address that? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the challenges with social media, when you were talking about trying to even grasp or understand how social media impacts us, that it hasn't been around long enough, but in the time that it has been around, it has evolved and changed so rapidly (laughs) and how we use it has changed so rapidly in that time too, (laughs) that I I can imagine it it would be hard to research just how much it impacts us (laughs) and and even to research how we're using it and to to fully comprehend that as well. (laughs) We're going to chat about setting boundaries or or having boundaries in social media in just a moment as we continue Mental Health Monday here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Goldseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are chatting about social media today. We're beginning a, a new series with Deacon Society Gaiman for Mental Health Mondays. So we, we've set up the we, we've established that social media can be it, it is neither good nor bad. Kind of like talking or books, even maybe other forms of media as well. We've established that. But that does mean that if it can be good, it can also be bad. So do we need boundaries in order to use it if it's something that could also become bad or how we use it could become detrimental? Mm -hmm. Before we even do that, any scenarios you could establish for us or, or create for us to help us understand where mental health can be adversely affected by consuming social media maybe too much? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a couple of like understandings of the way your brain work might be helpful. You know, one problem with scrolling is that we do tend to numb, right? And we will find anything to numb us. Like we as human beings, capable of looking for great connection and also um, capable of looking for ways to disconnect so we don't have to feel because feeling means not only good stuff, right? But right alongside of it, we know that there's going to be pain and suffering at heart stuff. And so the scrolling does impact our brain in a way that we move toward disconnection or disassociation is like a broad psychological term for it. And I don't mean like really dramatic disassociation. I mean, where we just kind of shut down and turn off. And that's why we use the term like kind of mindless. Um, And so when that happens, 
then it's easier for us to dissociate in other circumstances as well. And whenever that happens, we also need to ask ourselves, like, what are we trying to escape? You know, what are we, what is in our regular life? <laughs> what is outside of this moment and this scroll that is, you know, I just don't want to deal with? That means I probably need to be dealing with it. And that's just a good way of interacting, I think, with the impact of brokenness in our world and in our lives. The other scenario I would say has to do with um, our brain being overactive, right? And so just flipping between screens, I think about one platform just changed so that there's just little tiny videos at all times in your feed instead of like quiet pictures. And so our brains are being set by the media that we're taking in to jump from thing to thing to thing to thing. And um, well, to some degree, sometimes that can be fun and interesting. There can be a place where then it's hard to focus and it doesn't uh, impact our clarity and our functioning in a way that we would like. And so uh, just being aware that your brain is engaged, how is it engaged is really an important way to consider how your mental health is impacted by it. Mm -hmm. Talking about mindless scrolling, I've been mindlessly taking, scrolling yeah right now yes yeah, so no no i'm paying attention i promise i've been trying you know taking a, a fast from uh, from social media during lent is something that a lot of people do and that might be one of the boundaries that we talk about in just a minute that's hard for me to do because i do social it's media for my job so i can't completely like get off of it but one of the things i was trying to do was reduce that amount of mindless scrolling because it, it maybe this is just me but it is a weird feeling to all of a sudden realize that you've been mindlessly scrolling for like 15 or 20 or 30 minutes. And it's, it's very disorienting mm -hmm. to me to just mm -hmm. like, like I've just been sucked into this world and I have no idea what's happening around me. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's very unnerving. That's exactly what disassociation is. Like it's kind yeah. of a detachment from our bodies, right? Like our physical selves and our mental selves in two separate spaces and it is disoriented. And so I think that's actually like a really positive impact when you notice that. I don't like that disorientation. Then we can renegotiate. The problem is then we have to like look at our junk, right? We have to like consider <laughs> like doing something differently, which takes energy and effort. And sometimes we don't have that in us. Mm -hmm. Yep. Hence the mindless scrolling. So before before we run out of time, we have so much to talk about. But let, let's talk boundaries then. Uh, some people do do the, the fasting thing. What do boundaries mm -hmm. look like for somebody on social media? Why are they why can they be a healthy thing? Maybe let's start there. Yeah. One of uh, my favorite things to do and to recommend to people is to know the platforms that work for you. You know, uh, most of us, the answer to do I use social media or do I want to use social media is going to be yes. There will be some of you that if your answer is no, don't do it. Like you can connect in another way. I would say then in that boundary of like, you know, I don't, I just don't enjoy social media, then reach out to the people that you want to stay in connection with and ask them for an alternative way to connect because most people are going to be thinking that you are connected in this way. So if you want to see like your, your nephew's photos from his events in high school, but you didn't, you're not going to want to be on social media, then take a minute if you're going to set that boundary, then it's up to you to do some of the work, I think, to set up the relationship in such a way so that you can interact with the pictures and the events. Because now our culture is at a place where most people are just posting on social media and thinking that their people see it. We will not talk algorithms right now and how that doesn't always happen. 
But knowing that if you set the boundary, then you need to go after your needs and how to interact with people in your life in the fullest way that's satisfying for you. But then also know the platform that works for you. This was really big for me, and I've seen it be really helpful for some of my therapy clients too. If there is one that is just not working for you, spend a lot less time on it or, you know, stop using it entirely. There's a lot of different social medias. Most people in our life are on multiple social medias. Again, kind of considering what that boundary is going to do in your relationships and how it will impact your relationships. And then also when you set a boundary, do it in the most non-judgmental way that you can. Because again, when shame and blame come up, it's not helpful for our mental health. And so communicating that we're setting our own boundary for ourselves, and like we still value people and we understand that other people have other boundaries, like those kinds of things are really helpful because otherwise the boundary becomes just this massive judgment that will get in the way of your relationships. And so do it in authenticity, but with an awareness that social media is here to stay. <laughs> like your, your decision about your boundaries isn't necessarily going to get rid of the platforms or the way we use it in our culture. So there's a couple of things out of the gate that I can think of. Do you guys have anything else to add before I say any more? Yeah, I, I was just going to mention, I set rules for myself a long time ago, specifically about what I post on, well, this is really on Facebook because Instagram is really just pretty pictures and videos and cats. Specifically on Facebook, I have certain categories of things that I just will not post about because if I happen to break that rule, things go downhill very, very quickly. So I, I limit myself to what I'm putting out there on social media because I don't want certain types of interaction on my own content. Mm -hmm. So it's usually like bikes and church and like coffee. nature and coffee. Yeah. And my husband. Like that's I just <laughs> I stick to that. Even the stuff that I share, I mean, I get into other things like grammar nerd stuff, but I'm just a nerd. So there's those things. But like I stay, I will not post about politics. <laughs> that is just something I don't want to interact with on my own page. And I've broken that rule I think twice since I've been on Facebook. Mm -hmm. It does not end well. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. And like knowing your thing, identity your crisis thing. kind of not end well. <laughs> But I think it's really good. Like, so like your five things are probably going to be different than mine or Andy's. And I think that's really powerful. And again, doesn't make one of them right or wrong. Just like, what are we willing to interact with and not interact with is helpful for both posting and also commenting. It's also helpful mm -hmm. for what you want to follow and not follow. I found that that would be another tip I would have for boundaries is deciding what you want to fill your feed because they will, <laughs> the algorithms will choose for you enough stuff you don't want that anything that is upsetting to you or, you know, just getting on your nerves is going to, if it's going to add irritability to you, then it's not really worth it to follow on social media. You, irritability in regular conversation with people is maybe worth it, right? Like I'm going to muscle through this for this relationship, but the following things that irritate you online are I've never seen it be worth it for someone's relationships. There's nothing coming from that. There's no wrestling with it. Instead, it's just something I'm presented with and I can't interact with necessarily in a way that will be justice focused or helpful or, or peaceful or get me to a place of contentment. And so unfollow things that don't serve you well, whether that is, you know, something that has to do with like an ad or a consumer. I mean, even the ads I see, I can click and say, I don't want to see this anymore. And so you do have agency or power, if you will, in what you see on social media to some extent. And so feel free to unfollow things that don't serve you well. Also, 
there is nothing more powerful than the hide factor. So you can like hide mm-hmm. something for 30 days. And I've seen this save a lot of relationships where you're, you know, it's election time. I'm just going to hide my aunt for a little bit because this is not a great place for our relationship. It's never gone well when we tried to communicate about it. And so maybe if we don't interact with this particular thing for this period of time, you know, we will get, we'll be in a better place like after that's over and we'll go back to pictures of cats or something. I think that's a really powerful thing, knowing that you have power and agency in social media. And like you said, setting up what your personal boundaries are, are is more important than these broad kind of cultural values and boundaries. And I think that's the most important thing for our mental health is what do you need and how can you stay connected in your relationships the best that you can? Great points. Any other final points about boundaries in social media as we wrap up our time together today, Heidi? Mm, I think knowing that your boundaries will almost always be different than the person sitting next to you. That is not a judgment. We will compare ourselves in boundaries, just like we compare ourselves in everything else. Don't fight against the comparison, but ask yourself like curious and honest questions about the comparison of like, why am I interested (laughs) in what that person's doing? Will that serve me well? Are we simply different people? And just consider, I think with curiosity, this concept of what do I need from social media? What do other people need from me in social media? And what is God calling me to there? Just like anything else, it's a vocation. I honestly believe social media user is a vocation. And so using those kind of lenses that we would in our regular vocations of how to have health there is going to be helpful. Part of being a neighbor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Boundaries in social media. It's been a, a good conversation. Next week, we'll take a look at benefits of social media. Maybe controversial topic. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, This has been a fun Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Heidi, always great to chat with you. Thanks for your help. Thanks for having me. See you next week. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.